Let's, uh, let's try this again. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, there we go. That's better. Get, a, get, get on a better start here. Uh, you know, life is difficult sometimes, right? But it's the faith that we have in our Savior Jesus that makes it bearable, that makes it actually can make it um, enjoyable when we're holding on to our faith in Jesus, no matter what happens. Last time, if you want to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And last time we talked about unfeigned faith or real faith, that it's not an act. You'll see it there in verse 5. Paul says, I have been reminded of your sincere or unfeigned faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Timothy's faith, which Paul saw, which others also saw, it was real. It was sincere. It was without hypocrisy is what the word means. It was not an act. It was real. And, and for you and I, there's no point in putting on an act. Either we, we are walking with Jesus, we have some kind of faith, or we don't. And, and if you don't, you can cry out to him and ask for it, and he will give it. As what I believe the, the Bible teaches us, that we call out to him, and he, he hears us, and he answers. Now, Paul was like a father to Timothy, and he prayed for him. He knew him very, very well over a long period of time. And that's how you really get to know somebody, right over a period of time. You don't get to know somebody in like five minutes. It takes a long period of time to get to really get to know somebody. But he knew him, and he knew him well. And he knew about the godly influence of his grandmother and also of his mother, that there's an effect that we have. And... Uh, you know, I have kids and I have grandkids and, and, I, and I'm thinking about this, you know, that, that we have an effect, whether it's good or bad. Or it could even be kind of like neutral, right? You don't have any effect at all. But, but I, I, think, I think most often it's like one or the other. Are we affecting them for good or affecting them not much at all? And that's, that's negative in my mind. So real faith, this real faith that is living in us, again, it's not something we put on to try to affect people around us. It's something that is real, that's genuine. And that is what affects people. When they see that, hey, hey, uh, he or she is the real deal. It's not like they're acting. It's just they have faith. They have a faith in, in God and in Jesus Christ. So today, moving on, we're going to look at the next section here. And, and today, uh, I brought this. Uh, some of you know I like to go to... Uh, Yard sales, or do all of you know that? And, uh, you know, I got this there. You know, I get this stuff. My wife says, why'd you buy that for? And I said, because I liked it. I want to bring it home. She said, but then I got to find a place for it. No, she didn't say it like that. Don't misunderstand me. That's the way I took it. <laughs> but anyways... It's got a nice ship on it, but, but you know what this is, right? Yep. It's, uh, it's kind of cool. I don't know if it was handmade. It probably was. It looks like it was not like from a factory or something. Somebody made this. It's like leather and everything, but let's see if I can make it work. Hear that? It like works. So you, you know what you would do with something like this, right? Yep. Now, I, I really wanted to like have a fire here, you know, a little, little fire pit. <laughs> you know, maybe up off the ground a little bit. 
and, and, and like just get here and like show you like this is how this works. Have some coals on the fire and you know, maybe afterwards we'll throw a few hot dogs on there or something. But I thought I'd do that, but you know what? I just don't think that the fire marshal would have uh, liked it. Uh, but, you know, I guess one of you would have had to call him. But, I, you know, I could just see it. We're doing that, and all of you are on your phones going, we've got a problem over here. He's lost it. He's gone. He's... Or we could, have, uh, we could have done this, you know, these fake fireplaces, you know? And if you have one in your house, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to, like, down them. You got this thing in there, and you go up to it, you go like this. It's just like a little video running there, you know? It's like the wheels turning, the lights are going, and you're up there going, like, there's nothing coming out of it, or maybe you got heat coming out of it. It's, like, so fake. That's talking about, like, what we said earlier in verse 5, unfeigned faith. This is like real fire, though. Some of you know about real fire, like, what that's all about. Real fire. What makes a fire? What does make a fire? Oxygen and fuel. Yeah. Put those things together. What else? You got some you gotta have some kind of ignition, right? Some kind of spark or coals or a previous fire, you know. And you know, back in the olden days, if they didn't have it, they had to use rocks to make sparks or something. And then if it went out and you didn't have any flints or anything, you gotta go borrow some fire from your neighbor's house, and so you had to kind of keep that fire going because it was kind of a pain. You know, they didn't have, you know, the big long matches or the, you know, little guns that you can light fires with nowadays, but it really is kind of an art form, really, isn't it? So let's say you have a nice wood stove at your house, and at nighttime, right, you want to bank the fire, right, and you all know what that means? Bank the fire means you you know, nighttime, you don't want it to go totally out, so you kind of like, and there's different ways of doing it, but roughly speaking, you kind of cover all the coals with ash, and then you dial down the oxygen level so just a little bit comes in, right? That's called banking the fire, and, and, you know, different people do it different ways, but that's generally speaking what it is. And then what? And then in the morning, what do you want to do? You want to stoke it up. You want to stoke this fire up. You want to add fuel to it. And you want to carefully, you know, start to add the air so it, it you know, so it catches. And, and that's where this thing might come in. Let's say you, you uh, want to get it going quicker, then you're going to kind of want to add it quicker to get this thing flaming back up again, right? Well, in our passage today, you say, why is he talking about all this? In our passage today, Timothy is told by Paul that he needs to keep the fire stoked up, Right? He needs to get that fire like, and keep it in full flame. Now, that doesn't mean that Timothy was like burned out or he had no flame. It, it, and we'll see as we talk. It, it, Paul isn't saying to Timothy that, you know, you need to get it together. Timothy, he, what he's saying is you need to keep it like it is. Okay, and we'll see that. But let's read the verse there in, in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For this reason, he says. For what reason? 
When you say something like that, you look back, right, to what he said and what he was talking about. For this reason, the fact that you have unfeigned faith, your faith is real, people can see it, I can see it. For that reason, I want you to know you need to keep something happening here. You need to keep at it. He had the spark, right? He had the life. He had the fire. He had faith in Jesus. And God had given him gifts to serve, you see. What I want to say at this point, though, is that you can't build up something that's not already there. You can't keep burning something that is not already there. That's called trying to do it in the flesh, right? Trying to make a fire out of nothing. So, so speaking to Timothy, what, I, what, what I'm thinking about this is that to somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all, this is not going to make any sense at all because you've, no, you've got no fire in your life. You've got no source. You, you've got no spark. You've got nothing there to like build up. And so what I would say to you is, well, you need to get Jesus in your life. And how do you get Jesus in your life? You ask him in. Mm-hmm. You simply say, Jesus, I... I I've got no life in me. I've got no fire. I, need, I want you in my life, and I ask you to come in and, and be my Lord and be my Savior. It's as simple as that. And you know what? He does. People around you could testify to it. I can testify to it that I, I asked him, and I didn't understand a whole lot, but he came into my life, and he turned me around. He changed me from the inside out, and he's still changing me. So... Paul said, for this reason, for what you already have, Timothy, he says, I want to remind you. I want to remind you. And, and in, in the language, the original language, something you need to understand, when, when they say it's in the present tense, it, it usually means it's a continuous thing. It's a present tense. It's a kind of continuous. It means keep on reminding. I remind you and I will keep on reminding you. And and there are certain things that we need to be reminded of and keep keep being reminded of. It's this continuous kind of thing. That's what he says. I'm going to I want to remind you and I'm going to keep on reminding you that there's something there's certain things that you need to do in your life. I know when you have kids, right? And again, you have to keep reminding them about stuff. You said, you know, this is the you know, 100th time I told you this. You know, but, but that's, you know, we're kind of thick-headed, aren't we? Well, some of us are. And, we, you know, we don't hear it the first time or the second time or the third time. But, but Paul's saying there's certain things you need to think about. And, and I think this is one of those things that we need to, we need to be reminded of, that, that, of what he's talking about here in this verse, which is to fan into flame the gift of God. Now, this also is in the present continuous tense, meaning keep on fanning, keep fanning into flame, something we need to continually do. It's not, you do it once, if you have a fireplace or a wood stove, if you do it once, guess what? Is it going to stay like that forever? No. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep putting fuel in in there. You got to keep tending that fire. You need to keep stoking it up if it starts to get down a little bit. There's certain things that, that you need to do to keep it at full you know, flame. Keep on fanning. Now, as I said earlier, it's not that Timothy was all banked up, I think. 
but, but he needed to be reminded of this because fire does have a tendency to burn down. It's like that's the reality of it, right? It's the reality. It's going to burn down. And all of us need to hear that. It needs fresh fuel. It needs air. So he says there to fan it into, fa- into flame, to keep it into full flame. And I want to give you a little Greek lesson here. And some of you already know Greek, so you don't have to learn anything. But, but this is the word that's used there. It's called anazo pureo. That's with an English accent. And it really is three words put together, and that, those are the three words. Again, alive, you've heard some people name their child Zoe, right? Same Greek from the Greek word. Again, alive, fire. Again, that's what he says. I'm going to keep reminding you. Again, alive, fire. Again, alive, fire. That, that you and I need to fan it into flame. That Timothy, even Timothy, who Paul loved, he was like his dear son. He loved him dearly. He said, even you, Timothy, you need to fan this thing into flame. You need to keep it going again and again. Present, continuous tense. Again, a live fire. Again, a live fire. I want you to think for a minute about your own life. Do you have any fire going on in your life, or is it just like a bunch of coals there? Now, if you know Jesus, there's, some, there's something there. I don't, and we'll talk about this in a, in a few minutes, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. You're not just going to, you know, burn completely out and then you're not a believer anymore. No, if you're a born again a believer in Jesus Christ, there's something there and it's going to stay there. God is not going to let you go. He's not going to say, well, you didn't do enough, so you're done. It doesn't work that way. When he saves us and puts that life of Jesus in us, it's there for good. Okay, I want to reassure you about that. That's not what we're talking about here. But how many of you can get to that place where you, it's just like, it's just barely there. It's just a, a few embers left. It's just like, it's not much happening, not a lot going on there. That's what he's saying to Timothy. You can do things about this. The Amplified Version says to rekindle the embers. Another version, the Phillips version, uh, translates it like this. Stir up that inner fire which God gave you. Stir up that inner fire which God gave you. To stir it up. To stir up the fire. To add fresh fuel. To keep doing the things that you need to do. Unless, and I had to say this, unless we don't want to be blazing. Unless we were just happy being like, blah, like that. That's kind of sad to me, though. But, but we get to that place sometimes. We're just tired. You know, I don't want to do anything. I don't want, to, I don't want anything to be happening in my life. And, and maybe there are times, that perhaps, when it's okay to be banked, you know, for a little bit of just like restoration time, you know, Psalm 23, you know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, right? He makes me. He slows me down. And maybe there are times when we need to to be that way, but you you know what can happen is that, you know, I was reading in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus said, you know, let's go aside, let's find a quiet place where we can rest. 
And they got there, and guess what? There was a big crowd there, and there was no resting time. Jesus said, you know, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Let's help them. And then, they had, then that's when they fed the 5,000. So it, it just like went on and on from there. So, but, but there are times, I think, when we need that time of rest. But you know what? We can't stay there forever because then we're, what we become is what the Bible calls lukewarm. We can just have a little bit of lukewarmness there. And you know what? That's, that's nowhere to be for you and me. Just to be lukewarm. Just the bare minimum. Just a little bit. What good is that? What good is that? To have, to have faith but no fire. Did you hear that? To have faith but no fire. There's some embers there. There's something going on deep inside of you, but maybe that's where you're at today. Or maybe you're just like, you are so on fire. I know we overuse that term, you know, hey, so-and-so is on fire for God and all that. We overuse that term, but, but it, it, it's biblical, right? This, in, in this particular case, it's a biblical thing to be on fire. But our faith and the, and the gifts that God has given to each of, each of us needs to be stirred up. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Stir it up. Fan it into flames. Stoke the fire to get it, uh, you know, burning brightly. Now, some of the other things that are mentioned in this verse there is that, that Timothy, he had this unfeigned faith and he had this gift of God. He said, the gift of God, it says there in that verse, which is in you by the laying on of my hands. So we, we, we talk about his faith. Right? He had a faith, a trust in Jesus Christ. We heard about that last week. By the way, Patrick did a great job. Thank you, Patrick. But he also had received gifts, right? And that's what he said, the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. And we could just kind of quickly go over that. And, but, you know, there's something about what he's talking about here that God gives gifts, I believe. I think that's very biblical as well. This word for the gift of God, this word of the gift is called uh, charismata, right? And some will say, oh, now he's going to get all charismatic on us. Well, excuse me, but that's what the word is. See, people, you know, misuse words all the time and they take them in different ways. And I misuse the English language all the time. Forgive me for that. Certain people keep me on my toes. I won't name any names, Barbara, but... <laughs> but this word charismata, and you have to look at what the word is. The word is charismata, and what it means is gift of grace. In other words, it's something that God gives to you and I, and it's by grace. It's not like you earned it. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. So God gives these gifts for the, for the body, he gives the, the, the enablements to serve Him in lots of different ways. And there are lots of different gifts. And we're not going to talk about all the different gifts today. And, and, but, but don't let a word like charismata freak you out. It's, it's a gift of grace. And I want, I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. Whatever it is that He has for me, what He wants to give me. Now, I can't dictate to Him, I can't dictate to Him what, it is that I want, so give me that gift, right? Because this is what it says. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
for the common good. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines, right? So I just want Him to, He's, you know, it's much better when He's in charge anyways and He gives to, to each one of us what He wants. But what I see when I read there is that He does give to each one of us. Because what happens is people say, well, you know what, I, I, He didn't give me nothing. That's a double negative. I understand that. He didn't give me nothing. But it's not true. It's not good English, but it's not true either. He does give gifts. And he's, he's gifted each one of you. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He will give you what you need to serve Him. He will enable you to serve Him in the way that He wants you to serve Him. He doesn't ask you to do something He won't enable you and gift you to do. God has gifted, I believe, each one of us, each one of you. I want you to turn uh, ahead to me, with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 and 11. That's ahead, not too many pages. 1 Peter chapter 4. Excuse me, verses 10 and 11. And I want you to notice the first two words of this passage. Actually, the first four words. He says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, he's pointing back to God as the one who who gives the gifts. But notice he says there in verse 10 that it's God's grace. Again, the charismata, that, that which God gives, are gifts of grace. But the, the, look at the first four words again in this version. Each one should use. Each one should use. Now, uh, excuse me, but each one, uh, does that count everybody here? Yep. If it says each one, do you say, well, I'm not one of those each ones? Well, you know... I might destroy the English language, but I can understand some things. And each one, I think, would would be each one of us needs to use whatever God has given to us. Each one. I think think part of uh, the Christian life is discovering what God has given you and using what God has given you, using it. And and, and again, the, the gifts are as varied as each one of us here are. It's not just some of the things that we freak out about speaking in tongues or some of the things that people say, that's all that that the gifts are. Well, you know, I believe in all the gifts, and, and God gives them as He decides to give. But for you and I to find the gifts that He's given, notice He says there to serve. To serve. To serve others. So what is it that He's given you? How has he given you? What has he given you to, to get involved? How has how he getting, uh, how, how is he uh, gifted you to serve? You know, I don't. 
you know, for everybody it's different. They discover it in different ways. But really, if you never try, you'll never find it. If you never ask, if you never step out, if you never reach out, you never try anything, you're never going to find anything. One other uh, concept now back in uh, 1st, 2nd Timothy is this idea where Paul laid hands on him. And uh, he says that, that he did lay hands on him. And uh, I thought it kind of interesting when I looked that word up, that it can also mean like lay hands on someone. But he wasn't using it in that kind of assault sense. But he says he laid hands on him and prayed for him. You know, it, 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 was, it, it was a common practice back then where they would lay their hands on people and they would pray for them. And it seems to be not so common today, a little more uncommon unless you're in a certain circle, but you know, it's biblical. Now, there's no power in the hands. There's nothing power. And it's, you know, it gets weird. People get weird about stuff like this. And I understand there's been a lot of abuses about a lot of this stuff. And don't uh, think that I'm minimizing abuse of, of a lot of these things. I understand. I've been to a lot of different places, seen a lot of different things. And I've seen abuse in all, you know, a lot of different forms. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Just because some people, you know, go too far, it doesn't mean there aren't the, the proper and the, and the good uses of what God's given. Like praying for people. Again, there's no power in someone's hands, but the power is in the prayers. The power is in the surrender. The power is, is just doing what God has asked to do. In Acts chapter 6, it says they, when they chose men to assist the apostles, it says they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Later on in Acts chapter 13, when Paul and Barnabas were going to be sent out to serve, it says... So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Paul spoke about it earlier in 1 Timothy uh, 4, verse 14. It says, when the body of elders, they laid their hands on Timothy. Sort of like an ordination, maybe. We're, we're, we're praying for you. They gathered around. They, they, they laid their hands on them and prayed for them. It can be a very powerful thing. In the book of uh, Hebrews in chapter 6, it says, you know, uh, one of the elementary teachings of the Christian faith is the laying on of hands. And there are, there are different reasons you lay hands on people. We pray for people. We, we put our hands on them. We pray for them, for, for them if they need healing. We pray for them if they, if they need wisdom. If they just need you know, help in their lives with certain situations, we pray for people if they're, if they're going to go out and be sent out on the mission field or on a mission uh, trip, we pray for them. It's very biblical. So maybe you, know, maybe you want someone to pray for you. Just ask. We have people up here every week to pray for people, and, and they're not afraid to put their hand on your shoulder and pray for you. It's not going to hurt you. So don't be surprised about it. Really what it is, as I said, it's a, it's a means of surrender, a means of surrender. So now back to, back to my main uh, topic here is to, to keep the fire blazing, to keep the fire blazing. Again, I don't want to get sidetracked by these other issues when the fact is that Paul is saying, you need Timothy, you need to keep that fire blazing. You need to keep keeping it blazing. To be on fire for God. 
You know, John Wesley, uh, the great preacher and uh, the founder, really, of uh, the Methodist church way, way, way back, he said this. He said, get on fire for God and men will come and see you burn. Get on fire for God and men will come and see. People will, you know, people see it when, when you and I are, are, are on fire for God. Stir up the coals, stoke the fire, add fresh fuel. One, one thing I referred to earlier, which I want to mention here, is, is it's not, you know, you've heard the phrase, use it or lose it, right? It's, that's not it. You're not going to lose what God has given you. It might go dormant. But the Bible also says, and I'll give you the passage here, Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says this, that God's gifts, charismata, and His call are irrevocable. The King James Version said, without repentance, means He doesn't like repent of it and take it back from you. If He gives you gifts, and He does, they're yours forever. If you want to use them, that's like up to you, right? He's not going to force you and I to do anything, to get involved in any way. But we can be banked, right? Covered with ashes, starved for air, and we need to fan it into flame. So maybe you're asking this question, I would be, if I was sitting here listening, is how do I do that, right? What do I do? Because, you know... I can't really like put this up to my ear or something like, ooh, that hurt. Or get it into my heart somehow like, oh, you know, that's, that's not going to work, right? Pardon? You know, where does this start for me? And this is one of my, my uh, favorite subjects, but I think one of the most important things, where does it start? It starts in our devotional life. That's where it starts. Do you have one? Say, well, what is that? That's a time where you and you alone are with God on a daily basis. Do you have a devotional life where you have a time, whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or half an hour, an hour, what depends on what your, what your life is like? Do you have a time where it's just you and Him? That's, that's I believe, where it starts. People say, well, you know, nothing going on in my life. Well, or do, you have a, do, you, do you have a quiet time? Do you open the Bible at home at all? Well, no, I'm not sure where my Bible is. Well, uh, don't be surprised if there's no fire going on in your life. It starts really in this devotional time, this devotional life. No one can make you do it. You know, we're not going to keep track, you know, and God's not keeping track. Well, where are you? You know, you made a commitment. You said you were going to meet here with me every day, and you, you haven't showed up for like two days. No, it's more like this. It's more like this is what I think. God says, you know what? I really would love to spend time with you. If you'd only just take a few minutes out of your busy day, maybe watch a little less tel- television. You know, you could get two minutes, uh, you know, commercial time. You could fit in two minutes. Just put on mute, Right? In the, in the course of a one-hour thing, how many commercials they put in one hour? I'm not saying to do this, but I'm just saying how this is a, you know, kind of ridiculous thing that, you know, we can watch a lot of TV, but we don't have time for, to spend 10 or 15 minutes with God in a day. There's something wrong with that. Because who's feeding us 
when we're watching the TV? It's not God. It's the world. I mean, unless you're watching some kind of a godly presentation, which occasionally you find. The second thing is the Word, and I've already mentioned this. The Word of God is like, is like fuel. We've got to be in the Word. We've got to be people of the Word, or we're not going to have any fire in our lives at all. We just will not. You've got to have the Word in your life. The Word of God. Third thing I mentioned there is fellowship, and, and, and we really need each other in this, you know. You've heard probably the example of, you know, you've you got a, you know, a, a bunch of uh, sticks, right, that are on fire, and if you separate them, what happens? They go out, yeah. They need each other to keep the fire. I remember an old guy, you know, I didn't know how to make fires, and we didn't have fireplaces in our house in California, and... Uh, but he said, you know what, I, I had one log in there and I'm trying to light it up. i got paper under it and, you know, trying to get that one log to start. He says, you can't get a fire going with one log. You've got to have a bunch of them. they got, you know, all the places that they touch each other. That all makes a difference, you know, and the way the air can come through. We need each other. Fellowship is important. And then the last thing I mentioned there is serving. You know, there, there's something about serving that, that stirs us up. There's something about getting involved in doing something that has an effect in our spiritual lives. What is it? Where is it? I found this, and I like this. was quoted by uh, Charles Spurgeon, and it was about a preacher in the 1600s. And he, he said, he gave, Philip Henry, he gave it this advice to his daughter. Uh, if you want to keep warm... In the cold season, number one, take these four directions. Number one, get into the sun. Right? You'd be in your house freezing, and, and he says to go get some sunlight in your life. And of course, for you and I, it's to spend time with him. It's to get into his presence, to let the Son of God bring some warmth into our lives. The second thing he says was go near the fire. And he quotes uh, the passage that says, Is not my word like a fire? Is not my word like a fire? The third thing he mentions is to keep in motion and action. Keep things going. Do something. Get involved somehow. And the last one he, he uh, quoted there was uh, seek Christian communion. In other words, uh, that passage says, how can one be warm alone? From the book of Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one. All kind of the same things that I've already mentioned, but, but put in a different way. David Guzik, the pastor in Santa Barbara, California, he said this, Some are waiting passively, passively for God to use them. But God is waiting for them to stir up the gifts that are within them. He said, Some are waiting for some dramatic new anointing from God, and God is waiting for them to stir up what He has already given. Stir up what He has already given. He's already done something in your life and in my life. So we need to stir it up. Keep, fa keep fanning into flame. So for you and I, you know, maybe, maybe it is that we need to make some changes in our lives. We need to do something different. You know that saying, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results, how does that go? 
you get the same results. You think, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep doing the same thing and, and expect something different to happen. No, maybe you need to change things up. Maybe you need to like, look at your life, look at your situation. Is there you know, something I can change, something about my devotional life? It's dry, it's, it's old. I, maybe you need to do it at a different time, do it in a different way. Maybe you're not serving anywhere, you're not involved. Maybe you need to figure out, well, what can I do? Maybe you need to join one of these small groups. Or we, have, we have loads of opportunities for you to get to know somebody, you know. Different prayer groups, different, uh, you know, groups to get involved some way. And, and uh, I'd like to see, you know, more groups get started. Again, a live fire. Again, a live fire. I think we all need to be reminded of that. I know I do. Again, a live fire. So what is that for you? What is that for you? We're going to have communion right now, and, and uh, this is a time for us to reflect. It always is. It's a time to remember the cross, to come to the cross. But you know, the cross, if there's, any, if there's anything for you and I where we see love blazing, it's at the cross, right? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, where am I at? And as we come to the cross, as we come to this place where we ask God to show me, help me, maybe I'd like to do these things, but I don't even know, really know how. Now, he's talked about some different things, but what, what is that for me? What precisely is that, exactly is that for me? What do I need to do? How do I need to, to respond to something like this? And, and believe me, I, I would like to see each one of us respond. Is it uncomfortable? Is it might be challenging? Yes, it is. But, but you and I, we each need to respond to God in our own way. You know, we, we study the Word of God not just so we can become, you know, brilliant thinkers and have all this head knowledge of all this stuff. We study God's Word so we can say, well, how does that affect me? And how should I respond to that? And, and for you and I... You know, it really is about responding to him. I was thinking about this, and, uh, you know, God has done things in my life, and I need to stir them up and stoke them up, too. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to sing a song for you, right? And this is like a song, and I'll just set it up for you. This is like a song from when Paula and I got married. It's a song that I wrote for our wedding. I didn't sing it. I think that's kind of, I couldn't do it. Sing at your own wedding, I couldn't do it. But I've sang it a lot since then. But we had some friends sing it for us. Uh, but it's for me, it was like, you know, stir that up a little bit. And maybe, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's uncomfortable, actually. Now, I can lead worship and I'm fine. But to get up and sing a song, is it, I need to stir it up, right? Stoke the fire a little bit. So I'm going to do that now, and then I'm going to play quietly and for a few minutes, and then the communion is on the back table. And so like we do frequently, uh, I want you just to spend a little quiet time on your own and then, and then go back when you feel like you, know, you, you have done some, some speaking to him. And if you're not ready to go back and get some, just don't. There's no pressure here. But then if you are, then just go back and get it and come back to your seat and partake between you and him, okay? Let's pray first, and then we will 
we will uh, do that. Father in heaven, we, we come before you this morning and we, uh, we lift our hearts before you, Lord, and this message that Paul gave to Timothy, and a message that you give to us to stir it up, to stoke up the fire. We need you, Lord. We need the power of your spirit that maybe that's the, the holy uh, oxygen, the wind, the, this consuming fire that comes from you, Lord. We can't do it, Lord, but it's, if it's something that you've given to us and, and you want us to stir it up and stir up our lives, maybe shake things up a little bit, change things up a little bit, God, help us to know what and where and how. But we also come and we, and we think about the cross this morning. We thank you for Jesus that who, who gave his life, who came and died on that cross because he loved us, because you loved us, Father. And all that we need to do is receive that love. And may that fire that was there burning brightly on that cross uh, rub off on us and reflect in our lives as we uh, stoke up the fire in our own hearts and lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. We dedicate to you as children, servants, bond slaves. You gave your life to us, it's true. And now we choose, dear Lord, to give our lives to you. But dear Lord, we need your strength so that our light might shine. i 
take this time to just speak to him.